0: There's no suspect. It was like everything went cold immediately. She needs somebody to step up and be her voice. She needs somebody to seek justice for her. I think it's time that they step aside, request for the State Bureau of Investigation to come in and close this case.
1: This episode of Case Acquaint contains extremely graphic and disturbing language and descriptions of the abuse and homicide of a child. Listeners who may feel traumatized by such descriptions are strongly encouraged to use discretion when listening. This is going to be a follow-up to episode 21, so if you've not listened to episode 21, you might want to go back and listen to it because there will be many details that won't be brought up again in this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Case Acquaint. You have found episode 27. Today, we're going to provide an update on the Peyton Fields case. As you know, we've been following this case since December, and the six-month mark came and went without any information being communicated to the public by the Pender County Sheriff's Office regarding the autopsy results of little Peyton Fields. Well, now we have some news, finally. The autopsy report was released by the medical examiner's office on May 29th of 2018, and it's easily publicly accessible on the internet since it was requested by pretty much every regional media entity. Would this information serve to provide some badly needed hope in this investigation? Unfortunately, it appears that, contrary to what the sheriff's office said, release of the autopsy results did not trigger the arrest of anyone, in relation to Payton's murder. The autopsy does, however, confirm what the public already knew. It also provides a more in-depth explanation of what exactly happened to Payton. So today we're gonna be talking about that. We're gonna talk about what action has been taken by the Pender County Sheriff's Office even though we haven't heard much from them or the district attorney's office, which serves both Pender County and New Hanover County. We're also going to talk with one of the community members at the helm of the local Justice for Peyton movement. Also, in the last episode, we mentioned that Pender County is about to elect a new sheriff. The primary election for sheriff has already been held at this point. So now we're down to two candidates for sheriff. Carson Smith is not running for sheriff again because he thinks he can get a more lucrative position as a representative. Quick review of this case. Peyton Fields, five years old, was brought into the Pender County Memorial Hospital in the early morning hours of November 13th. She was unresponsive. Hospital staff stabilized her as best they could, and they sent her to New Hanover Medical Center, a bigger hospital with more resources in nearby New Hanover County. There, she lingered for a matter of days until the decision was made to remove her from life support. From the beginning, it was reported that there were three adults and one other child, Peyton's seven-year-old sister, residing in the small, double-wide trailer home at the time. Since then, despite public outcry and local media producing regular news stories in response to the public's requests, the sheriff's office has failed to take any noticeable action on this case. Not only has the Sheriff's Office neglected to update the public on the progress of the case, the Sheriff's Office has been caught in lies when they were questioned. They have not made an arrest. They will not name a suspect or a person of interest. They do not ask the public to come forward with information and it appears they don't want any public involvement. It's almost as if they want the case to be forgotten about. And about those lies we were talking about, they had to do with Peyton's autopsy and results from other tests associated with the autopsy. It all started when the sheriff's office served a search warrant at the home in question on Blackwater Drive, where Peyton had been living. We don't know what they were looking for, but there's been a lot of talk among locals about this search warrant. When it happened, the local media submitted Freedom of Information Act requests for the affidavit. It was quickly sealed by a judge. After some time, media began to ask the sheriff's office why they had not made an arrest. Sheriff's excuse was that they hadn't received any test results or the autopsy report. That was their excuse for not making an arrest or at least naming a suspect. The sheriff responded for months that they were still waiting on results from the medical examiner's office. Nobody questioned the sheriff or the district attorney on whether or not they need those results in order to make an arrest if they already know exactly who did it. For example, the Mariah Woods case, which happened not even two weeks later and only 40 miles away. Nobody needed any test results to make an arrest in that case. One of the local reporters, Andrew James, dug deeper and asked other authorities about the rape kit and the autopsy. He was again told that they do have up to 180 days to complete the autopsy. But then he was also told, not by the sheriff, mind you, but by the Attorney General of North Carolina, Josh Stein, that yes, other tests had been completed and submitted to the sheriff. One was finished on December 7th, and one was finished on January 12th of 2018. Andrew James confronted the sheriff's office during an interview that was made public on February 8th. Finally, once confronted, they had to admit that they did have those results, but they weren't going to discuss them. So after being caught in a lie, they changed their story from we are waiting for results to... We don't want to discuss those particular results. The question becomes, why lie in the first place? Usually when people lie, they're covering up for something. What could it be? And again, May 29th, well past the 180 day timeline, the medical examiner's office finally returned the completed autopsy. Now in North Carolina, which in every state it's different, If an autopsy is deemed advisable by the medical examiner or if it's requested by the district attorney or any superior court judge, the report of that autopsy is public record. Some parts of the autopsy can be kept confidential such as images and videos, but the report is public and anyone can request a copy of it. We're gonna be getting into some dates that might sound confusing, so I want you to know we're gonna go back over some of these dates later, but for now, Depending on which public document you believe to properly represent Peyton's date of death, that would put the date the report was due at either May 14th or May 15th. But since they were late, people who had requested the final report received it on May 29th. Those documents included the preliminary report, which was signed off by the pathologist on May 29th of 2018, and the final autopsy report, which was signed by a pathologist on May 25th of 2018. We don't know why the preliminary report was signed on the 29th and the final autopsy was signed on the 25th. Like I said, we're gonna go back over some of this information later because there are even more inconsistencies, but we wanted to make these points that the report was late in being released and when it was released, this is what happened. On May 29th, After everybody and their cousin received their copy of the final autopsy report, the news station WWAY asked the sheriff's office for comment on the recently released autopsy report. And what did the sheriff's office have to say? They said they were still waiting for the autopsy results. So if the sheriff's office is to be believed, the medical examiner didn't give the sheriff's office the autopsy report, but everybody else who requested it did receive the autopsy report. This is the type of lazy and disrespectful line of communication the Sheriff's Office of Pender County has made it a habit of maintaining with the public. This is the level of attention this office is paying to one of the most horrendous crimes ever committed in its jurisdiction. How horrendous? Well, we do have the autopsy, which we're gonna get to, but don't forget that this is a rural area where word travels fast And within a couple of days, it had been discovered Peyton was raped and strangled. The whole county knew about it, partly because of the call transcript from Pender Memorial Hospital to the sheriff's office to let them know what they had over there on the morning of November 13th. The nurse described a child being brought in with ligature marks on her neck. And it was learned that at that point, deputies would be dispatched to New Hampshire Medical Center and that CPS would be notified. So the public had known about these despicable acts perpetrated against a vulnerable little five-year-old child. And from day one, they were outraged. Neighbors weren't just outraged, they were worried about their own children and rightly so. They've been worried since then. And even though the sheriff's office was quick to say this was an isolated incident. Would you believe the sheriff if you and your children lived next door to the family in question? It's worthwhile to mention that Sheriff Carson Smith announced that he would not be seeking re-election. Nope, instead he has his sights set on a loftier office with the House of Representatives. He appears to be operating under the delusion that he is fit to represent the good people of Pender County, North Carolina's best interests which people would that be? People like child rapists and killers? Because those are the only people whose interests we can see Carson Smith is representing at the present time and for the last several months. We hope we can someday say that's changed. So because this story continues to drag on, we wanted to bring to you the perspective of a local voice and the person we spoke with is someone who, if you're also local, You may have seen her on TV during some of the reports about this case. Her name is Jamie, and she was one of the citizens who organized the public vigils for little Peyton. The first vigil was held on March 10th of 2018. Another vigil was held on April 28th, 2018. In light of the recent autopsy report release, we asked Jamie to speak with us about Peyton's case, the community's reaction, and the future as they all continue to cope with the frustrating lack of justice for Peyton Fields. So let's go to Jamie and hear from her how this case grabbed the attention of locals and how they reacted to the information they were getting from the media.
0: We were actually all very interested in it out of the gate. Um, But the first news report that came out about it, it was actually prior to her dying. We that they're glued to the TV, so to speak, monitoring everything, and of course, you know, it was within a three-day time span that all of this took place. Then we had the Mariah Woods thing happen within like, what, 10 days after Peyton passed away. So we're sat back, and we decided to not jump headfirst right away. There wasn't that many people that were as interested in the beginning. You know, within the first month, it's like it went cold immediately. But as myself and a couple others kept it going on Facebook multiple times a day, posting about Peyton and having conversations on such a public platform about her case, what had happened, what we know, what hasn't taken place. And and just asking questions and, and creating interest. And as a community, that's what we need. If we really want justice in this case, it takes the community effort. It takes more than one or two of us to take a stand. It takes us all. I'm grateful for the fact that we were able to generate such an interest in this. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Somebody will come up to me and talk to me about the case, you know, wanting to know, have, has anything been announced? You know, they're not seeing it in the media anymore. They're only seeing us discuss it on Facebook or when we plan events, they start seeing it then. And that's when, obviously, you start seeing it back on public media forums like the news and, and so on and so forth. It, it's been really in the past couple of months that there has been such a great interest. And I'm so grateful for that because I really feel like that's what's going to help get her the justice that she deserves and get the family peace. And I've had people ask me, to "Do you know, did I know this child? Did I know any of the family members? No, I didn't. She needs somebody to step up and be her voice. She needs somebody to seek justice for her.
1: I also wanted to know about the sheriff's office. Did they come out to participate in the vigils? Nope. No participation at all.
0: The sheriff should be showing up. Show your face. Support your community. You live here just like we live here. You have children. You have grandchildren. You have nieces. You have nephews. You have cousins. There are children in your life. Show your face. Support your community when they put things out there like this. In order for me to get my permit, I had to have the chief of Burgall Police Department sign off on it. I had to have the county manager sign off on it. I had to go to the park and recreations director to sign off on it. Mm. So there's no way you can't tell me that none of the deputies knew about it, that none of the detectives knew about it. And you certainly can't tell me that Carson Smith himself didn't know about it. The first visual that we did, I had six people show up, total, including myself. We had some children there, and, you know, I would love to count the children, but under the circumstances of everything, we're just going to count six adults. Two of them, at the time, this was during primary elections, two of them were running for sheriff's office. They weren't out there for a political platform. They were out there to show community support. At my second visual, just about every running candidate for the Republican Party showed up now for the first visual. i had heard that oh i didn't know about it blah blah blah. blah. lies lies mm. all the sheriff's candidates for the primary republican party they all knew about it because both of the running they posted it on their pages both their private pages and their campaign pages Um, It was also said to me by different ones that at one of the last um, sheriff forums that was held in Hampstead back in, I want to say it was possibly March. I believe it was in March. Somebody had brought up Peyton's case and different ones had their turn to speak and another one had an opportunity to speak. And when they had their opportunity to speak, they're like, you know, where were you when the vigil was held? On March 10th, none of you can say you didn't know about it because I shared it and I sent it privately to all of you. Where were you? I was there. Another running candidate was there. So where were you? But I do know for certain that there were at least four of the Republican running candidates out there. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, aside from the two that had been there from the beginning, everybody else that showed up, they did it for political gain.
1: Looking back, speaking with other people about the case, and of course, your opinion as someone who has been calling for hashtag justice for Peyton Fields all these months, what kind of job do you think the sheriff's office has done up to this point?
0: Just looking at it from the beginning, it's an open and shut case. Why are we here seven, eight months later, still trying to figure out who did it? You and I should not be sitting here having this conversation. No this should have been ended before christmas this should have been ended the week that she died Peyton fields died november 15th across the board it's the same consensus three people in the home why were they not brought in you have no information whatsoever you know that somebody was harmed in this way brutally attacked and murdered and there's no arrest there's no suspect there's the it was like everything went cold immediately you know, in the beginning, it was when she passed away. When they first went in the home, when the Pender County Sheriff's Department went in the home with a search warrant, mm-hmm. why did it take you until she died to do that? When the call came in, when the nurse called dispatch to report the strength, what appeared to be lig- ligature marks around the neck, mm-hmm. they knew then that there and a sexual assault had taken place. So why was it that night the sheriff, the detectives, not sent out? That's protocol. You don't wait three days later to send somebody out there to look for evidence. The evidence is gone. The evidence, they had three days to get rid of evidence, to clean up evidence. So again, we can continue to go back to Pender County Sheriff's Department, drop the ball. They botched an investigation. That's clear and evident. And it's put out there for the public to see. So this is not just me. Saying it, it's out there for the public to see. You can go on Google and you can Google Peyton Fields and pull up every single news report mm-hmm. from the moment that the first report came out until the day that the autopsy was released. You can see for yourself what was done. It clearly shows the incompetence that Pender County Sheriff's Department used. She was brought in on one day. Phone call made, transported to New Hanover. CPS should have been called immediately. Detectives should have been called immediately. That same night she was brought into Pender Memorial Hospital and sent over to New Hanover, they should have been knocking on that door with a warrant. CPS should have been at that house that very night and removed the other child from the home. But this is standard protocol, standard procedure. It shouldn't have been on November 17th when Pender County Sheriff's Department showed up at the door with a warrant to discover that there was nobody at the home. Caution tape shouldn't have been put up three days later. It should have been put up that night. So it begs the question, will this case ever be solved? Or is she going to grow to be a cold case like JonBenet Ramsey? But the fact of the matter remains, Tender County dropped the ball, and they have not been able to recover it. I think it's time that they step aside, request for the State Bureau of Investigation to come in and close this case. It's time for Peyton Field to rest in peace with justice. It is time for her family to be able to properly mourn the loss of that precious, precious little angel. Even though day to day they're going on about their lives, they're not living, they're existing. They're doing what they have to do to get by. They can't move forward until there's a conviction. At this point, it's not just about an arrest, it's about a conviction. A child predator is a child predator is a child predator. This animal is searching for his next victim. I have no doubt about it. They don't stop until they are caught, one way or another. And unfortunately, he's either he or she is either going to be caught by our justice system, or somebody's going to take justice into their own hands. And I would hate to see that happen because that's yet again another victim.
1: you just heard from Jamie, a local voter and citizen of Pender County. She and many others in the community who did not know Peyton or her immediate family when she was murdered are serious about seeing this case through. Jamie is not alone in this. She collaborated on these vigils with some others, and as you heard, at the second vigil, they had not only dozens more people attend, they ended up having more candidates for sheriff show up. Now, more people are beginning to demand justice, not just ask for justice, not just ask the sheriff for reassurance. They're way past that. So we talked about the initial investigation, the lying and the covering up. What are some of the other factors contributing to the community outrage? If you listened to the last episode, we referred to other cases that were similar to Peyton's, and in those cases, arrests were made without autopsy reports. Also, it's hard for many people to ignore the fact that Peyton was of mixed heritage, Could that have contributed to the lukewarm response from law enforcement? Their excuse for not taking action has always been, we don't have the autopsy. But now that excuse no longer holds water since they finally have the autopsy. All tests have been completed. Did the Sheriff's Office make a grave mistake by blaming the medical examiner's office for the delay in making an arrest? Why haven't they taken responsibility for some of the mistakes we already know they made? You heard it from Jamie not securing a search warrant as soon as they knew Peyton had been raped and strangled. It was obvious to the staff at Pender Memorial, and especially New Hanover, where she presented with posturing. So that means she had severe brain damage, but no abnormalities on the CT scan of the brain, meaning her brain damage was due to being deprived of oxygen, and this damage was irreversible and caused her systems to shut down. Her central nervous system was already shutting down when she got there. So don't tell me the Sheriff's Office didn't know or weren't told this was a brain-dead child when they got to the hospital at the request, mind you, of medical staff, not the family. No family members called law enforcement to report this, not once. Nor did they call the ambulance. Did investigators just ignore that little detail? So why didn't law enforcement secure search warrants and begin separating and questioning these people immediately? That was something Jamie brought up. It's just another mistake. How can such a seemingly simple case drag on for so long with nobody being arrested for anything related to the case? Another mistake brought up by Jamie was in telling the public that there was no danger and that it was an isolated incident. We talked about this in our last episode too. If I lived next door to that family with my kids, you couldn't actually expect me to believe the following statement, which I quote, There's nothing at all in this investigation that leads us to believe there's any other person that's in danger or in jeopardy. It's a tragic situation. It's a very bad thing what happened to Peyton, but we have no reason to believe there is a person targeting other persons. This is an isolated incident. So I guess the sheriff doesn't know, despite the fact that he's in charge of enforcing the law in Pender County, that a child predator will engage in sexual abuse hundreds of times before being caught the very first time. So don't tell us, Sheriff Carson Smith, soon to be hopefully failed representative candidate, that there is no danger to other children besides Peyton. That's a flat out lie unless you know for a fact that the perpetrator is dead or in prison. Now, if you guys think this type of investigatory bungling is isolated, go back and listen to our other episodes, it's not. And the problem with having absolute power in an area when you have no common sense is that victims in the community suffer. Real quick, here's an example of what happens when a case like Peyton's is not handled responsibly from the second they know a child has been assaulted or abused. I'm talking about the case of Poppy Worthington. Poppy was a toddler who was raped at the very least anally by her own father. It happened in 2012. He was the only person in bed with her She was asphyxiated, and because the investigators in charge of the case were so uninterested in collecting evidence in a responsive and responsible way, Paul Worthington was never charged with anything. He still walks free. You gonna tell me that Paul Worthington doesn't pose a threat to children around him? How about I buy him a house and move him next door to Carson Smith or to Carson Smith's minor relatives? Paul Worthington is no different than the person who raped and murdered Peyton Fields. I'd like to be able to say that the big difference though between these two cases is that the investigators are different, but based on all the information provided to the public, I can't. We're now gonna get into the autopsy that proves someone raped and murdered this child and that it was impossible she could have done this to herself. If the case ever goes to court, that is what testimony by the experts will be. So this is what the evidence shows according to the autopsy. First, there's an inconsistency between the preliminary report and the final autopsy. We alluded to this a bit earlier, and Jamie actually mentioned this also. That inconsistency is the date of death. The preliminary report says Peyton was pronounced dead at 9.32 a.m. on November 15th of 2017. However, her autopsy says she was pronounced dead at 9.32 a.m on November 16th of 2017. Peyton's headstone has her date of death as November 16th, 2017. Most media reports also agree on that date as well. As an aside, she was taken off life support and some of her organs were donated. We're not sure how much this difference in dates matters to the case because Peyton's death was insured at the point her brain was deprived of so much oxygen that her brain was irreversibly damaged. So how long does that usually take? It can depend on many things, including what type of process is used to deprive the brain of oxygen, how efficient that process is, and it can also depend on the victim. And here's why the brain needs oxygen. The cells in the brain use oxygen to metabolize glucose, which due to this process creates energy that the brain needs to function. When these cells die due to lack of oxygen, for example, there's no energy being produced, so the brain can't function. And there are general guidelines regarding oxygen deprivation. If the brain's being completely deprived, brain cells would begin to die after about one minute. By three minutes, there's gonna be irreversible damage. At about the five minute mark, brain death may occur, and at 10 minutes, you're gonna see so much permanent damage that if the person somehow does live, they'll stay in a coma. These are guidelines provided by medical professionals, but everybody's body is different. Peyton had irreversible brain damage that was apparent without even having to look at her brain. There were outward signs, which they noticed right away. But by November 15th, an EEG showed no electrical activity on the brain, which means the brain was dead. This is according to the preliminary report. The ligature marks were, of course, something that couldn't be ignored, but she also had a significant amount of petechial hemorrhaging everywhere above those ligature lines on her face, her neck, scalp, eyes, and even inside her mouth. Also, her body had signs of sexual assault, and this is indelicate, but it's the truth. Her vaginal area had acute hemorrhaging, which the pathologist confirmed was indicative of sexual trauma and injury. Her back and one of her elbows were bruised, and Peyton Fields had also been suffering from pneumonia. According to the autopsy in the preliminary report, the only personal effects accompanying Peyton's body amounted to one stuffed animal toy. Peyton's official cause of death is diffuse acute cerebral hypoxic ischemic injury due to ligature strangulation. Her manner of death was homicide, It's gonna be assumed that whatever clothing, if any, Peyton had on when she arrived at the hospital was taken as evidence and tested. But there are some questions that the autopsy leaves and that they were not able to determine. One of those things was the span of time between when Peyton was strangled and when she arrived at Pender Memorial. The autopsy simply does not answer that question definitively. Also, of course, the autopsy isn't going to tell us what, if any, useful information was gathered from the rape kit. And we don't know how long she languished at home, dying after being strangled. We have to assume there was plenty of time to give Peyton a thorough bath, wash sheets and bedding, get rid of the implement used to strangle her, and clean up any other physical evidence. In fact, while she was in the hospital, effectively brain-dead or quickly headed in that direction, The Sheriff's Office did nothing that we could find, no searches or anything. So if anyone in the house decided to stonewall the investigators, they had plenty of opportunity, both before they went to the hospital and after authorities found out. There was eventually a search performed somewhere around the end of November, possibly the 25th. But we can't be sure because that information was sealed when a FOIA request was made. And of course, we also don't know what was searched. So, there's plenty of time to get rid of evidence. There's always debate over what would be required to bring charges against someone for a crime. Some of the things investigators usually look for are things like motive, method, and opportunity, and prosecutors can be very fickle. If there's a lack of physical evidence existing in this case, for whatever reason, be it effective cleanup on the part of family, or lack of investigatory sophistication, Some prosecutors won't even hold a hearing. I'd like to share a quote with you. It's by John Walsh, who's famous for fighting to find his son's killer, and he's been a victim's rights advocate for decades. He said, I am the parent of a murdered child. I have no tolerance for those who wait to intervene. When authorities fail to act, they compromise their investigations. It's not the public who compromises their investigation. It's themselves by not questioning by not getting those search warrants as soon as they know a child's been assaulted or murdered. Then they have more work to do because now people want them to answer for their failings. So what's next for Pender County? Coming up toward the end of June, Community members will be holding another event in honor of Peyton, and this will be a celebration of her life and of her sixth birthday. We'll let you all know what the event information is when we receive it. Also, don't forget to exercise your right to free speech and share your thoughts about this case with the Sheriff's Office, with the District Attorney's Office, with the Attorney General, and with all of your political representatives. If you're local to the area, don't forget to ask the current candidates for sheriff what they think about how this investigation has been handled by the current sheriff. This is not a criticism of police officers or sheriff's deputies in the area. They are not in charge of this investigation, and as far as we're concerned, the people responsible for this investigation make the day-to-day jobs of regular officers and deputies much more challenging because it's they who are eroding public trust with regards to this investigation. You know, all these months, more cases have moved through the court system in Pender County. Payton's isn't the only case there. Sheriff's deputies go to work every day. They deal with all the other law enforcement problems that arise. They don't have the luxury of focusing on this one case because they handle all sorts of emergency situations and other types of calls. We want to thank law enforcement for responding to calls and helping to clean up our car accidents when we have them, and we hope they understand that our demand for justice is directed at those who are responsible for getting it. And as we've already been doing, we're going to keep you all updated on this case and any progression it may make. We sincerely hope that an arrest is imminent. We never dreamed it would take this long, but now all we can do is wait and hope that the sheriff asks for help from other agencies if he cannot handle this responsibility in his obligation to Peyton, those members of her family who are innocent, and his obligation to us, the community. When a person is charged with a crime, they're charged by a government body. That government body represents us, the community. We too are a collective victim of crime. And whether or not Peyton's family has been convinced to keep their opinions to themselves, the community as a collective victim are not at the mercy of investigators. And that is where we, as a community, come in. We demand justice. We demand to be made whole by the justice system. That's what we expect. We expect nothing less. If you cannot do that, Carson Smith, it's not our fault, it's yours. We'd recommend you accept responsibility. Don't ask anyone to vote for you by looking for a higher paying political job. Now, last thing I wanna address before I sign off, We give credit where credit's due in terms of investigations we talk about. The investigators are good at what they do. Well, we say so. And if they turn out to be doing a good job in this case, ever, we'll be happy to say so. We have no agenda against Pender County Sheriff's Office. But here's where we come in as a podcast. Many times you have families with nobody on their side. The investigators are fed up with them asking for answers. Those investigators and their case files are protected by judges, and everybody wants these people to just go away. In Peyton's case, who is fighting for her? Nobody who has any true power. Her family, those who are innocent of the crime, are at the mercy of these investigators. I don't know the family. I've never talked to the family. Nobody on my team has ever talked to the family. We still say they are at the mercy of these investigators. They can't say anything to anyone. Because what if an investigator decides he's done working on this case because he doesn't like their attitude? This happens all the time. If you don't believe me, go look up the Randy Leach case. It's a perfect example. Go look up the Robin Abrams case. We, as members of the public, only have our power to vote and our power of free speech. But let's not exaggerate our powers here. We're doing nothing more than reflecting back to authorities in fact, a politician no less, who works for us, what we think of the quality of his work. I'm going to leave you with some statistics which we'll link sources to in the show notes. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. 10% 10% of all violent deaths in the United States can be attributed to strangulation. Only 30% of sexual assault cases are reported. 82% of all reported juvenile victims of sexual abuse and assault are female. 93% of all child sexual abuse perpetrators are known to the child victim. are family members, and 59% are family acquaintances.
0: She needs somebody to step up and be her voice. She needs somebody to seek justice for her.